It's lights out and away we go. Welcome to the Pit Straight. I'm Jack Swansea, the host of the podcast that you're listening to right now. And joining me once again is my co-host, Alex Gentz, frontstretch.com IndyCar editor and newly minted Texas Motor Speedway fan. Alex, how are you doing this morning? I am exhausted, Jack. How are you? <laughs> oh, so you uh, stayed up and watched the Australian Grand Prix. Yes, yes, I, I did against my better judgment. <laughs> on hey on the west coast this is this is one of our one f1 races that's better suited to west coast time it was over at like 115 um if you do want to see a full recap of the very very late at night australian grand prix uh check out frontstretch.com on the web or follow frontstretch on twitter because alex and i are just going to talk about one thing on this podcast which is actually three things uh because alex do f1's red flag rules need a revamp they need a revamp or a stern talking to. <laughs> I honestly don't know which. Um, I never, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that whole thing. I made the mistake of sitting down with a friend who has never watched a full Formula One race in his life and using this race as his introduction to the sport formally. And I, I don't know if it was a net positive or negative, but it, it, it definitely raised a lot of questions from him that I really felt like I could not make any excuses for F1 to justify um, particularly how this race ended. Yeah, so let's talk about that ending. Um, it looked like a sort of comfortable Max Verstappen win there for quite a while. Um, but then on lap 55, uh, Kevin Magnuson crashed his Haas and the red flag was shown setting up what appeared to be a two-lap shootout, a sort of F1 overtime, if you will, uh, from a standing start. But uh, three corners into that two-lap shootout, Carlos Sainz, Fernando Alonso, Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon, Lance Stroll, Sergio Perez, Nick DeVries, and Logan Sargent all sort of had a safety car-worthy incident. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the red flag waved again. Now, there was... That was on lap 58, when the, which was the final lap of the race. All of the cars pulled into the pits, and the FIA just sort of had to figure out what to do. And what they ended up deciding was that because the field hadn't even completed one sector on lap 57, they had no updated timing and scoring to work from officially, which meant that the FIA had to revert to the previous lap's running order, which was the one when the lap 55 red flag came out. But... They still had to complete the last lap of the race behind the safety car. So the cars that were damaged in the crash to the point of not being able to continue, which was the, the two Alpines, they were out of the race. But everyone else completed the race in the order that they were when the red flag came out for Magnuson. Except for Carlos Sainz, who had caused a collision on lap 57 on the, in the first corner, spinning out Alonso earning himself a five-second penalty, which was then assessed when he crossed the line under the safety car period, demoting him from fourth to twelfth. So lap 57 officially didn't count, except it sort of did for signs, and also because they weren't allowed to just like redo the whole lap, because F1 can't do refueling. Uh, it both did and didn't count at various points. It was Schrodinger's lap, uh, <laughs> if you will. Was that the right decision? Okay, so th the problem with this whole situation is, one, yes, the cars had not go gone through a whole sector, 
but are there not upwards of 20 or 25 scoring loops throughout the course of a given lap in a Formula One Grand Prix that that they could have retrieved timing information from? Um, secondly, if the order is reset to the pre-Science Fernando uh, red flag avalanche, Science is essentially getting penalized for a wreck that never officially happened. And so it seems to me that this this big conundrum that we have at the end of this race that drug on longer than Willie Nelson's career um, is the result of really a bad red flag being flown for, for Magnuson. Um, you know, it is, I, I think, something that w there was a lot wrong with the way it was handled. But ultimately, we just kind of have to push the question back and ask, why were we under red flag for a single lap car incident that involved a tire flying off the car and landing in the middle of the track? Well, it's unusual for us to disagree on this show. Uh, but I We're think I'm going to disagree with you here. Looking at it sort of, hindsight is twenty twenty. I think mm -hmm. seeing what happened in the end, the red flag should not have been displayed and, and it would have avoided this whole nonsense we would have just ended under the safety car with a almost exactly the same finishing order yes. but if you look at each decision that was made sort of in a vacuum which is how the fia officially must consider them mm -hmm. each discrete decision i think makes sense uh we can talk about whether or not you should throw a late red flag when a safe when it should be a safety car just because you want to squeeze some more racing in but I, i'm fine with that um it's a little silly to have a two-lap shootout from a standing start but whatever we can talk about trying to make a show versus trying to have a sport but i, I can at least respect that decision mm -hmm. then the question is at least and, and I can see that sort of in the rules, if you don't reach the timing and scoring loop at the end of each sector, officially that didn't happen. Even though you are correct, there are many sectors and ha they have a lot of timing and scoring loops, but just F1 has this sort of tradition of there are just the three sectors. So, okay, fine, whatever. That's how that happened. And then the signs thing, are it, it, is contact penalty worthy? Like, is the penalty being assessed because you ruined Alonzo's race or because you caused a collision which potentially endangered his life? And I think it's the latter. It, the, the, the contact which happened on a lap that wasn't scored still was an unsafe driving maneuver, even if it was kind of a marginal call uh, one way or the other, whether or not it was, it was penalty worthy. Uh, and it ended up being really cruel to signs to drop him from fourth to 12th because of this weird safety car thing where they technically had to finish the race. I, I, like each decision, I can understand how they made it. And I think the problem is just they all sort of snowballed one after the other. I can I, I can agree to that. It, it seems to me. Gosh, darn it, Alex. We're always agreeing with each hey, other. Hey, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm going to bring this, I'm going to bring this one around all the bases. And go. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I can agree that in a vacuum, they, they all do seem sensible. Um, and I, I'm glad that you touched on this because I, I definitely got the impression that this is what a lot of people, especially the people like uh, the fine folks at Front Stretch that dip their toes in NASCAR and F1, mm -hmm. a lot of people seem to get the impression that for whatever reason, they were very much 
very, very, very much concerned with making this race end under green, which is all fine and well. I mean, you know, NASCAR has no shortage of lore in that in that area, but you know, my my, I think the signs penalty, just looking at the situation, genuinely was. I hated for Fernando. I think the penalty was kind of an atrocious call, but the. This was a level of disorganization and almost subtle panic that I feel like I haven't seen F1 in in, in some time. Since, and, since 2020 season, certain 2021 season finale, you mean? I'm thinking, yeah, that that's probably, or uh, a certain penultimate round of the 2021 season. <laughs> um I per I just I do not mind a race and like we had an IndyCar today. I do not mind a great race ending under caution. What I do mind is the situation we find ourselves in, where it seems like the officials try to fix a problem, and in their scramble to fix this minor problem of the race ending under safety car, they end up creating an infinitely worse problem in the form of that two lap dash that ended up taking out. What did you say, uh, Alonso? Akon, Gasly, DeFries, Sargent, everybody. It's just not clear to me that there was any way that the FIA was going to get a net gain out of their call here. Yeah, that that makes that makes sense to me. Um, but the the thing that I just think is fun, or not fun, but at least funny, is that the FIA has this massive rule book for what they're allowed to do, and it mm-hmm. seems like every week we're exploring new sections of it. Um, and they're, they're sort of having to interpret it on the fly, uh, which is, I, I mean, when compared to IndyCar, where they just threw the yellow and that was it, and the guy who was leading the race won the race and it was fine. Um, it, it's 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 sort of very typical of F one uh, as this sort of high drama, and I, it it's a it, it can be frustrating, but it's it's cathartic in a way. I think that F one is this sort of legal drama on top of a motor racing series and that's just what it is it's it's cathartic in a sense but at the same time i you know you you and i talk about this a bit kind of seeing how indycar is putting on such a great racing product right now but it's it's reception at the national level is kind of lukewarm you know the attendance isn't great outside of the indy 500 texas is the seats looked almost barren today but at the very least, there seems to be this level of self-respect that there's very few instances there where the rules come into question and need to be need to be thrown out on the fly. And I feel like, in a sense, this is going to be, especially three red flags in a race. That's a que- all of them being questionable. That's the worst part. Is that Albon's red flag wasn't exactly red flag worthy as far as i can tell either i mean of course you don't want gravels covering the entire racetrack and we just assume it's nothing but you know albert park is a circuit that is long enough that you could have cars bunched up under the safety car with ample time to clear a racing line for the marshals and this sends this kind of message like you said of this high drama series but it almost looks to me like it's the the funny kind of drama versus the kind of drama you get invested in well I mean, that that brings up kind of an existential question for us as motorsport journalists is IndyCar is the sort of self-respecting series, but F1 and NASCAR is the ones with the audience. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's maybe that's a question that that we'll answer another time because i do want to get into the red flag for albon the first of three red flags for if you count the one that happened after the race when nico hulkenberg broke down which is going to be a fun trivia fact for for all of history is the the race with the most red flags in f1 history actually had a fourth one that happened after the race um so on lap seven uh there was the red flag thrown after alex albon crashed he was doing pretty well it was you know, unfortunate for Williams there. Uh, but George Russell, who was leading the race at the time, along with Carlos Sainz, who showed up a lot in the interesting stuff that happened today, um, both made pit stops thinking, okay, well, we'll be on tires that can make it the rest of the race. And and the leaders, Hamilton, Verstappen, Alonso, will have to stop later. Um, after they pitted and changed tires into the safety car, the red flag came out, meaning that those three world champions who would end up sitting on the podium in that order at the end of the day, all got free tire changes. And that's something that we talk about every time there's a red flag, which seems it's happening happening increasingly often. Just, you know, fundamentally, should you be allowed to change tires and swap nose cones and whatever it is you need to do under the red flag in Formula One? Where in NASCAR, for example, you'll get a big old penalty if you climb out of the car and start pulling on the front fender. Yeah, you bug-eyed dummy. <laughs> it that that's a really good question and i, I honestly i'm gonna have to defer to you on this one because growing up as a nascar fan with that kind of understanding that when the red flag came out the race is for all intents and purposes completely frozen um coming from that background the fact that they even pull the cars into the into the pit lane for for an f1 red flag has always been an adjustment for me and that sort of divide between the fundamental nature of the red flag between the two leaves me sort of standing tiptoed on the fence with this one in the sense that, well, if the, if the race is stopped and you're going to get lined up for a, for a grid start again, why shouldn't you be able to change your tires? At the same time, the purpose of the red flag is, as far as I can remember, to stop the race, just to, to stop it for a period of time. And the race is still playing out very in a very real strategic sense if the if they're free to work on the cars under those conditions. So that's kind of I can I can see both sides and I genuinely do not know which one I fall on there. It may just be a question of this is how I'm choosing to see it. And we had that we you and I had a very long conversation about this in the front stretch slack uh the last <laughs> week. It's a question of just like cultural relativism where F1 has this way that they've been doing it, NASCAR, mm -hmm. the series we both grew up watching, it has, you know, its own way of doing it that's just different. Um, it, it, I mean, everyone's playing from the same rule book. Uh, so technically speaking, it is fair to do it either way. Uh, and, you know, you, sometimes you just got to be lucky. Of course, IndyCar does it a third way, don't they? Because they have to pull the cars into the pits because they don't have onboard starters and they have to have some guy with a starter motor on yes. a pole go start the car. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but they're not allowed to change tires under the red and Indy car. No, they cannot. They are. We remember Detroit last year. They are allowed to, allowed to put fans on the car. So they are allowed to touch the car technically, but no, they've never, you're not allowed to change tires. Yeah. So it's just, you know, American motorsports does it one way. International motorsports does it another way. And Everyone's playing from the same rule book. So to, to me, that counts as fair, even if it did, uh, to quote Toto Wolf, screw George Russell, whose car oh, then that caught... That it did. <laughs> <laughs> then his car caught fire after a couple more laps. So didn't really 
have any influence on his final finishing position after all. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, was... race, crazy race made even crazier by the fact that for, for us, it was in the wee hours in the morning. Oh, that uh, was bad. Yeah. And of course, F1 is taking like the next month off before before Baku. So we have to find something else to watch on on Sunday mornings. I don't I don't know. I don't know if I need to find something else to watch on Sunday mornings. I'll be <laughs> I'll be hibernating until Suzuka. <laughs> all right. Well, Alex, I just want to thank you again for for co-hosting the show. And that is all the time we have for this edition of the Pit Straight. Uh, reminder to our audience, if you like hearing what Alex and I have to say about racing, check out some of the great content we're putting out on frontstretch.com, follow Frontstretch on Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, where, as promised, we now have some IndyCar stuff up. Um, you can follow Alex on the Bird app at AlexAgainstOne and me at Jack Swansea. Alex, is there anything else that you would like to share before we say goodbye? It's, it's slightly off topic, but I've never heard it referred to as the Bird app. I'm going to start using that. Really? Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a novice. <laughs> well, who knows how long it'll be around, so I, I hope you get some good use out of the phrase while you can. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to. <laughs> All right, and uh, Alex, once again, thank you for coming on the show to our audience. Thank you for listening, and we will see you after Baku, I guess. <laughs>